Bandwidth for Mac Power users is brought to you by Midas Green Technology. Virtual private servers submerged in oil. Find out more at MidasGreenTech.com slash 5x5. Mac Power Users, Episode 60, Evernote. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Good afternoon, David. Hi, Katie. I am very excited to be here because today I think we are going to make the case for Evernote. Yeah, this is a good topic because occasionally on this show, I have made disparaging comments about Evernote. On occasion, you have. And it's not that I don't like it. I just can't figure out where it fits. But what I found out is that a lot of our listeners really, really like Evernote. And, and so I every- think there are a lot of people who you like it and use it, but maybe aren't using it to its full potential. I think I'm one of those people. And so what happens is every time I make any comment about Evernote, I get a lot of email from people not very happy with me. Uh, yeah, I just ignore them and forward them to you. Yeah. But uh, so, but then I have this friend, um, Brett Kelly. Hi, Brett. Hey, guys. How you doing? So, so Brett lives near me. So we like get together and have coffee together once in a while. And Brett is like the Evernote guy. I miss all the good stuff living on the East Coast. Yeah. Brett, you wrote a book, right? Uh, that's right. You wrote the book on Evernote, literally. Literally, yes. The book. The book. Yeah. And that's just as an aside, that's like a great story. So Brett, you know, he's really passionate about the software. And, you know, so he did the natural thing. He says, I'm going to write a book and put it for sale on the Internet. Right. Yes, that's right. I mean, that's what everybody does right. when they like something. Well, my mom does that, and uh, and he's like hugely successful. I mean, your book is really popular. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, so, and then not only that, you know, he he became such an expert at Evernote. They called him up and said, "Hey, you know what? We got a job for you." Right. That's right. Yeah. So Brett also works for Evernote, and uh, I wanted to to be clear about that, but he's not here on behalf of Evernote, not getting paid to be here. He's here because he wrote a book about it, and he's really passionate about it. And uh, I don't consider this uh, an Evernote appearance. All right? Hey, Apple, I do a podcast on Apple stuff. I could use a job. Call me. Yeah. Of course, you'd have to write a book about Apple stuff. I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, um, but so, but anyway, so Brett does work for Evernote, but the fact is you, you got into this, Brett, because you just love this app and you're crazy about it. And every time we get together, you, you're very nice in about, you know, you're, you're exactly the same way I am with PC people. You know, <laughs> when I'm with PC people and they say, oh yeah, I love my PC. And I say, and I have a Mac and I know how great it is. And I say, okay, well that's, that's good. You know, Hey, if that works for you, you know? Right. <laughs> and that's exactly what you say to me when I say, you know, Evernote's, a, Evernote's a great uh, solution for which I have not found a problem. And you always tell me, okay, that's okay. But you know, I decided Brett, let's do this publicly. I, I need you to, uh, to make the case and explain to me what I'm missing out on. I'd be happy to. All right. So that's kind of the idea for the show. Uh, we're going to get into Evernote pretty deep. Uh, I was an original subscriber. I mean, just to give you a little background, I, I got the shirt, you know, the cool shirt with the pink elephants on it, right? And uh, the when I saw the original, you know, when it first kind of unveiled, um, Tim Verporten actually was really key in me finding out about it to begin with. And, uh, you know, when you take a picture of something and it uploads to their servers and, and does that thing for you where it, you know, finds the text, I thought that was really cool. But the thing is, in the year I had it, I just found I didn't really use it much. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about um, uh, how we use Evernote. Okay. All right. Give me an overview. 
Some of our listeners have never heard of it. Believe well, it. We should not. talk. Yeah, give us an overview yeah. of what Evernote does. Okay, so Evernote is the most succinct way I've been able to put it in the past is there's like a big digital notebook um, that you can add just about anything to text, photos, uh, files like PDFs, um, audio, all this stuff, and all that stuff gets added to the notebook and then synced up to the cloud and then back down to your iPhone, iPad. Um, Android phone, all of your computers, and to the web. So it's a great place to put all of your stuff. Where you can, if you wanted, if you need to get to it from just about anywhere, Evernote's a you know a good way to a good place to keep things. Um, now, obviously, if it can accommodate all those different types types of media, it's uh, it can be a little bit daunting to try to think of. It's, there's not an obvious use case for it. It's for a lot of people anyway. Yeah, maybe that's my problem. Yeah, is I, I, I like. Like one of the things I, I used it for was um, I am a tea nerd, you know, so I started taking pictures of the um, the teas that I like, p- taking pictures of the labels, mm-hmm. and then Evernote would go and and it would pull the names out of the picture. Well, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's let's talk about the features first. Okay. Yeah. So you, well, which features would you like to talk about in particular? Well, like uh, explain. Okay. So you've talked about it as kind of a digital yeah, notebook. It, and but I it's think more than just a repository of stuff. Right. You can you can do stuff with the stuff that you have in there. Yes. I mean it will it will search it and it will categorize it and you can move it around and manipulate it. And then Evernote actually goes out and, and figures out things about the stuff that you put in there. Right. And I'm being kind of vague because we'll get into more detail later. Right. Well I think the most the biggest uh, selling point for a lot of people is the text and image thing that David mentioned. So if you add an image to Evernote that contains text, like if you took a picture of a street sign or a wine label or something, um, Evernote will go through that image and try to find words in the, in, the, in the image itself and then make those words searchable, which opens up a lot of possibilities in terms of how you could use it, I think. Um, as far as other – it also does that for PDFs if you're a, a paid customer. But um, yeah, as, just as far as regular note-taking, like I'm, I have an Evernote note open right now for taking notes during this – this call, uh, I'm many, many times a day just opening Evernote and typing a little note and then saving it. Uh, whenever I have a meeting, I take notes in Evernote. Yeah. Okay. Now let's stop there. Okay. So, so the nice thing about Evernote is it's multi-platform. You know, you guys have a client for the PC, the Mac, the iOS, both iPad and iPhone, Android. Uh, is it BlackBerry yet? Uh, the BlackBerry Playbook app is out as of I think three weeks ago. So yes. Yeah. Oh, and Nobody also I bet, too. I bet you've had a lot of downloads for that. I our servers melted. Yeah. Okay. And then um, so so you're on all these different platforms. And the idea of this virtual notebook, I mean, going back to your original concept was, and this is the kind of thing got me excited to begin with, was hey, you know, I'm on my PC at work and I've got a notebook open with my Evernote. I run into a meeting, I grab my iPad. And I can add to that note in the meeting. Then when I get back to my desk in my office, it's already back on my PC. Right. I get home. I load up my iMac. All my notes are in there as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it takes, there are several good notebook apps for the Mac, but none of them have that degree of interoperability. And, you know, basically it's the cloud-based data model that you guys bring to this. Right. And I, I think at the at the macro level, that's, the big advantage of Evernote. I mean, there's other notebook apps. There aren't any other notebook apps that I'm aware of that, that provide you this multi-platform bliss that you get from Evernote. Um, and in addition, 
you've got this picture thing. So you take a picture and getting back to my tea. So if I, I have I'm drinking a tea I like, I take a picture of it. And it uploads as is it a JPEG? I think it uploads as um, or it depends uh, on it, whatever photo you bring in. It'll um, okay. I think if it's a, if it's an iPhone camera shot, I think it's a JPEG. Okay, so yeah. whatever image I upload, the Evernote they have some back end processing going on, and they look at the picture and they look for words in the picture, and they'll find them, and and then they'll add it to the index for that image. So then I can type in the word T on my. Um, Evernote database, and it will go find all the images that have the word T in it, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's that's really you know the the big picture Evernote thing, and it's really pretty great for that kind of stuff. I agree. Right? Yeah. No. Definitely. Uh, okay. And then if you and and it's free, it's a free service. How, how much? Uh, there's some limitations though with the free account, right? Yeah. The uh, the free account you get to you only get to upload 60 megabytes of stuff per month, um, which if you're dealing primarily in text and text written stuff that that's plenty. You won't ever hit that amount. Um, if you're uploading a lot of images or a lot of uh, files like PDFs and Word documents and stuff, obviously those can add up quickly and you can hit 60 megabytes. So the, the paid plan, you get a gigabyte a month, which I've never even come close to hitting that and I use Evernote a lot. Um, but uh, free accounts also don't get the PDF Im- indexing for the image search that we just talked about. And there's also a few other things like you get faster support if you pay and a few other things. But Oh, and, and I'm sorry, go ahead. Said, the individual note size uh, is 25 megabytes if you use a free account and 50 megabytes if you have a paid account. Okay. And um, like with the paid account, like you were saying earlier, it does that same text processing we were talking to, talking about to PDFs. Yes, that's right. So it's, it's kind of like an OCR service. If you like in my day job, I deal with PDFs a lot. Right. And if I wanted to, I could upload PDFs to Evernote. And it would do all the OCR for me, and I could look at them with OCR built in when it comes back. That's right, and it happens pretty fast too. At least in my experience. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're uh, one more paid feature, I forgot. If you have a paid account, your your image processing requests, so the the text and image stuff, that happens for you before all the free accounts. So you get moved to the front of the line. So you get your sure. image processing results much faster, like in a few minutes. And you write the check, you get to cut the line. That's right. Okay. And so, and to be fair, I mean, I, I'm not as much of a curmudgeon about this as I sound like, because I, I included this app in both books I wrote, the iPad and the Mac mm-hmm. and workbooks, because I just think it's really a great solution for a lot of people. Like, but for me, that's another place where I run into trouble. I can't store my client PDFs on a web-based service. Sure. I just can't do that, you know? But, um, although I know some lawyers that do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's let's talk about that for a minute because you know we say as lawyers we can't you know store our client stuff on the servers, but you know should we really be storing our own stuff like this on the servers? Now I know that Evernote uses some SSL encryption, and that was one of the the points that I had to come back around here and talk about later is privacy concerns. I have had a lot of people talk to me about using Evernote in the context of going paperless. Can I use Evernote as a document management solution? You know, scan all my receipts, scan all my water bills, scan all my utility bills, scan my taxes, um, and throw those in a and in, in different notebooks in Evernote. And and have all those synced up, you know, because if you don't sync them to the cloud, you're not going to get the OCR because the OCR for PDFs happens in the cloud. That's right. Um, I noticed nobody made a recommendation about, yes, absolutely, that's a wonderfully safe thing to do or not. Well, <laughs> it's, I mean, I do that. Just about everything right. you described, I do exactly that. Like all of my financial information is in Evernote in PDF form. 
Um, so that, that sync to the cloud. Because to be clear, you can have uh, notebooks in Evernote yes, that do not sync to the right, cloud. That's right. Yes, and they are all synced yeah. to the cloud. Um, okay. And I am by no means a computer security expert or anything like that. And I'm sure that I could spend an hour with somebody like that and they would convince me that my life is over because I did that already. But I, I don't know. I'm not qualified to answer as far as like the total security of it. But, and, and I, and I apologize. I wasn't asking no, you no. to, I was just pointing it out as, you know, this, this is a concern that, that people need to think about because David and I both say, Oh, I would never put client files up there. Um, so it, it is something to think about, you know, putting your water bill and your receipts up there is one thing. Mm-hmm putting your taxes up there maybe another. Right. Well, I think that you could make a pretty compelling argument that any cloud service is going to carry with it some risk of that sort of well, some concern about privacy or concern about your data being exposed to people who shouldn't who ought not see it. Um so I, and I, for me I just sort of made the decision like, you know, yes, I suppose, you know, everyone could get a hold of my tax returns if they wanted to. But I'm I really don't think that's interesting to anybody and I really doubt that's going to happen. So I just have decided to not worry about it. Now I mean, that could be ignorant of me and it probably is to a degree, but I don't know. I just, there I've got bigger fish to fry, honestly. You know, it's, it's funny. I feel that way too about most of my stuff. I mean, obviously my professional stuff, that's not the case, but I remember hearing Andy Notko give a talk once where he had said something to the extent of, you know, you either have data that's connected to the internet and not, or data that's not connected to the internet. Right. And anything connected to the internet is, is at risk. And whether that's, um, and I'm expanding on Andy's talk here, but I mean, whether that's at your home computer plugged in, um, you know, someone can get through your own firewall or whatever security you have at home or whether that's on some server somewhere. And, uh, my feeling has always been about these like Dropbox, Evernote type services is that, you know, you look at the vendor and you either decide to trust them or you don't. Yeah, totally. And and they um, um and these people make their money by having subscribers. And obviously, if they didn't respect your privacy, uh, they would lose a lot of subscribers. I mean, look at the backlash that the Dropbox got when they had the door open for what was it four hours? Yes, um, totally. So that's I think they have a commercial um, reason to be very active. And in fact, you know, when I talk to some lawyers about this stuff, because, you know, we are considering, you know, what are the rules in California, the state bar is starting to talk about what, what the rules are for cloud storage and the discussion is going on. And, and one of the points in my mind is that, you know, what is safer, um, storing your files on one of these cloud-based services where there are professionals staffing and manning and really paying attention to the security and people knocking on the door and the firewall maintenance and all that, or sticking it in your office on a Dell server and, uh, you know, plugging into the internet and then locking the door and going home. Right. You know, there could be a case made that sometimes you're safer with some of these big services. So I don't really know the answer to all that stuff, but for me at least until my, my own state bar gets a little more clear on it until I have a better appreciation of what security is at risk. I, for client stuff, I'm keeping it down, but that doesn't mean um, there isn't a lot of stuff you could use Evernote for. Sure. Um, I, I always felt that, you know, one of the things, and I put this in the outline, Brett, for us to talk about is, is um, so we've kind of got this idea that it's this ever present notebook, but um, what I would like you to talk a little bit about is capture with the way all the stuff works, you know, capturing information. Okay. Um, well, I don't personally use Evernote to capture like things I got to do. Like if I remember, I've got to, you know, do the laundry or whatever. I put that somewhere else. Um, but what I do use Evernote for a lot when I'm out and about or when I'm even at home 
um, is uh, memory related. Like this is a cool thing I don't want to forget. Um, so I use the Evernote iPhone app with my camera on my iPhone four a lot, like a lot. And that affords me whenever I take a photo with that, I know, you know, obviously where I was and when I was, when, when it happened, um, I have the photo itself. So I have a little like time stamped GPS located memory that I can return to, which I think that's probably the most, maybe the most emotive, but also one of the most like interesting ways of using Evernote. Cause it's not just, it's not a worky techie use case. It's sort of like a, Oh, you're a human and you want to remember things. Um, so that's more of how I do capture with Evernote. I also, I don't know, type random notes to myself when I'm thinking about something and, you know, talking to my future self. I think I mentioned this in a talk I gave a while back, but um, talking to the person you want to be like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example of this. Um, and I really can't, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, where are you going with well, that, Brett? Um, okay. So, all right. We're gonna. I'm gonna open the kimono a little bit. So right. I uh, this is this is one time. This is months ago. I was actually over a year ago. Uh, I had had a rough day and I was a little bit short and curt with my children. I have children, and I uh, at, after they had gone to bed, I was sitting on the couch and I realized I felt awful about it. And it wasn't. It doesn't happen a lot, but it had happened before. I really was like, I didn't want it to happen again. So I wanted to ever know and you know, opened a quick note and just said, you were a really big jerk to the kids today. Remember how awful this feels or something to that effect. And now obviously that's a like sad example, but you know, if you're at a birthday party and you're really having a really good time and you take a photo of like the person you're with or the cake or something, and you just like type in that you feel awesome right now, stuff like that. Cool. That's kind of cool. Well, you know, it's interesting because you're talking about the text and the pictures. Like, for instance, when you're in a hotel room, when I'm in a hotel room, because I'm a scatterbrain, first thing I do, even before I put the key in the door, is I just take a picture of the room number next to the wall. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's actually quite sad how often I need to look at that picture later. And, and I'd like to say it was like alcohol-induced, but... Usually it's just, no, I'm scatterbrained. Right. But anyway, so I guess you would use Evernote for something like that. Yeah, no, whenever I, oh man, when I travel, Evernote's like indispensable. I take pictures of, obviously I have all the arrangements in Evernote, like the you know itinerary and confirmation numbers and all that stuff. But whenever I get to where I'm going, um, I take pictures of like, if I have a rental car, I take pictures of the whole thing. Um, you know, all the little ID numbers they put on the keys, all that stuff, just so I have it. Um, same thing with the hotel, take a picture of the room number, take a picture of the front desk. I, I just, so I can remember where I was and if I need to get back there, I can, you know, just jog where I remember my memory as to where I was. Um, and then, yeah, same thing with the, I'll take a picture of the Wi-Fi password for the hotel. If they have one, you know, the menu for the pizza joint down the street and I'll highlight what I like if I have to come back several months later, stuff like okay. that. Okay. Well, let's talk some more about your use uh, scenarios, but before we do, let's cover our first, uh, our first sponsor. Yeah, our first sponsor is Smile, and they make the excellent application, Text Expander. Now, Text Expander is the app that just keeps on giving because with just a few quick keystrokes, you can expand a few characters into 
uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of characters of text. You can use this to expand signatures. Uh, you can use this to uh, create forms where you can fill in the blanks. Uh, or you can even use this to do much more complex things such as scripting. You can add an Apple scripts and Perl scripts and, and make Evernote, I'm sorry, and make text expander to all kinds of wonderful uh, things for you behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, I was up in Petaluma at the Mac Computer Expo and Smile was there. And I got to talk to the programmers for Smile. And the thing about this company that is remarkable is how much they really just want to make it the best possible app. And I was able to sit down with them for a while and go over some of the things I like about their software and things I'd like to see improved. And you could tell they were really into it. You know, they want to make this the best possible app. And I think, frankly, you know, Text Expander just is the best possible app for text expansion on the Mac. They've got uh, the ability to inject code, which nobody else has. And they've got Dropbox syncing with your iPad and your iPhone. So all of your snippets jump right over to your mobile device. And it's just a great app. I, um, I use it all the time. Yeah. And don't forget about Text Expander Touch for the iPad and the iPhone. That is available uh, in the Mac App Store. And, you know, David, I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, you know, now that uh, iOS 5 is going to get the ability to um, expand shortcuts, we're not going to need Text Expander Touch for the iPhone anymore. And let me tell you, based on having used iOS 5, I know you've used it longer, but just a couple of days here, I can tell you that is absolutely not the case. The support that Text Expander brings in terms of formatting um, and, you know, just things like if you're expanding, you know, snippets or paragraphs, you know, the iOS 5 integration doesn't do any of that. Text Expander Touch on the on the iDevice absolutely blows it away and remains the, an app on my home screen. So, you know, I'm, I'm such a nerd. I have a um, NV Alt um, a note about this because as I was going through the beta, every time the built in text expansion made me a little nuts, I made a note about why is it not doing this? It doesn't sync your. Uh, snippets between your various devices using the built-in, you know, the Apple built-in stuff. It doesn't uh, bring in the date cards. There's several things it just doesn't do. The advantage of the built-in one with Apple is it works with apps that don't support text expander like mail. So it's great for that. I think it's really kind of, you use both of them. And on your iPad, I would probably put my mail snippets into the built-in support. But it's just, it's like pulling teeth because then you've got to do it all again on your other device. And and then um, you've got to format them. I mean, it yeah. didn't even format my signature. And uh, using Text Expander Touch, you can sync that stuff over to your Mac. So, you know, once you make it on either device, it's there. So you can build it on your Mac and use it on your iPad. So, yeah, I agree. It's not replacing the built-in support in iOS 5, while it's nice and useful, it doesn't supp- uh, supplant Text Expander Touch. Um, right. Anyway, so these guys are great sponsors. Uh, I really appreciate it if you go check them out. And uh, they make a great solution for, for Mac users and iOS users. So uh, take a look. Find, yeah. Yeah. You can find all their information over at smilesoftware.com. You can buy Text Expander for thirty four ninety five either from their uh, website or through the Mac App Store. Text Expander Touch is $4.99 and available uh, through the iTunes App Store. And thank you again, Smile, for your kind support of our show. Okay, so Brett, give us some uh, use case for Evernote. Hmm, okay, so I have this uh, this scanner on my desk, a little document scanner. It's a Fujitsu ScanSnap. And oh, we love those. Oh, man. We love them. Oh, they're good. Um, and you can configure the, uh, the ScanSnap Manager software to scan directly to Evernote. So I have routinely built up a large stack of paper on my desk from various sources. Um, most of it isn't actionable, so I just, you know, I'll grab, you know, pour myself a little bit of bourbon and sit down at my desk and just start scanning and just 
you know, fire all these pages into Evernote. Um, and I can either sort of curate everything and organize it into topical notebooks and which I think is a good idea if you have the time, but you don't have to, like David said, because of the, um, the PDF indexing, um, I can generally get pretty close to the thing I want, even if I don't go through and edit anything after I scan it. So, but things like, um, all the checking, uh, checking account statements we get, um, whenever we get our car worked on all the, you know, service records and stuff like that. Um, whenever my kids draw me something, which I don't know if you guys have kids, I know David does, but they're like, my kids draw me three things a day and I can't keep them all. Um, so I just scan them in Evernote and I keep a couple of my favorites, but, um, it's a really cool way to keep track of all the stuff my kids make for me without having to actually keep it all. Uh, let's see. So Brett, how many of those do you, do you tag them or you just put it in and let PDF I do, text recognition do I it do. for you? The drawings I tag, the PDFs I don't usually actually, because the way I'm going to look for these is if I'm looking for like the Citibank checking account statement from 2010 February, like I'll just type Citibank and that will give me like probably a lot of results, but then I can just start adding more search terms and narrowing the search. Um, tagging is more, I use tagging more for like grouping in a way that is not like doesn't work for notebooks. So the example I always give is uh, my son, he obviously draws some of those pictures I mentioned, but he also like goes to the dentist and uh, has school related materials that I need to keep track of. Now all of those things get tagged with his name, but when I want to see the drawings, I may not want to see the school stuff or the dentist stuff, but if, if I want to see the whole of what I've got on what I've got on my kid, then I can just look at the tag for his name and see all of it across all of the different, you know, the memories notebook and the medical notebook and all that stuff. So that's, I think that's how I personally use tags. There's no wrong or right way to do it. Um, but yeah, as far as finding PDFs, finding stuff within PDFs, I just sort of start searching and search a little bit at a time and then keep incrementally making the search bigger. And eventually I'll come down to 10 or 20 PDFs that I could just scan with my eyes and find the one I want. The, uh, now they have, you can organize documents in Evernote with either tags or folders. Uh, with, well, you can do with both, but yes. Yes. Yeah, I get, you're right. You can do it both. So you could have it in folders and tags. Right. That's correct. Um, and you, can you nest folders at this point? Uh, well, the, the nomenclature is, uh, notebooks and stacks. So originally it was just notes lived in notebooks and that was the end of it. Uh, a lot of people asked for a, another level of, um, organization. So they created what notebook stacks. So notebook stacks can hold notebooks and notebooks can hold notes, but that's, okay. that's, that's as deep as the uh, nesting can go at this point. And, and then you can tag it. So, right. All right. although the, so, like the searching and stuff, this, all the notebook stacks are just visually for you. There's no importance in terms of how the data is organized. So you can't say, look for everything in this stack labeled this. You can either say, look in this notebook or look in all your notebooks, but the stacks don't mean anything in terms of okay. like organization. All right. So what else do you use Evernote for? Let's see. Uh, I mentioned I take pictures a lot. Um, I actually have been sort of backfilling all of the photos I've been taking of, you know, my kids and stuff for the last however many years um, because Evernote's only what coming on four years old actually just over four years old. Um, I've I had a life before then and I want to get stuff into Evernote. That's, you know, before that. So I, we have a ton of pictures like when my kids were first born, which both of them predate Evernote, I think. 
Um, so I made this little Apple script thing where you can just drag photos into onto it and it will look at the, uh, the created date in the photo itself, like the, what the camera put there and then add it to Evernote and, and retain that date. So I could just add a bunch of photos to Evernote really quick, but it'll all, it'll know when the photo was taken. So, so is that Apple script available? Uh, or yeah, that- it's on, uh, it's on my GitHub. Uh, I can give you a link and we can add it to the, the thing. Yeah. Cause I'm sure there's some Evernote listeners that would like yeah, that. Yeah. I, it seems got a pretty cool response, so yeah. Although it seems kind of weird putting your pictures in Evernote. I mean, is that? Um, but- well, it's sort of part of a larger philosophy that I think was at the bottom of my How Brett Uses It list. Uh, it's I try to maintain or create like a personal history of my own existence, if that makes sense. So the combination of like the water bills and the kids' drawings and the car receipts and the the soppy note about me being mean to the kids and all that stuff. Like all of that forms like a, a history book of me, you know? And because I've chosen to pretty fully invest myself in like the use of Evernote, not just as a guy who loves it, but just, I I use it like crazy. Um, I'm making it so that I can go back to any point in like the last three years and just drop into Evernote and look at like a week's worth of stuff and see all sorts of what appear to be disparate, you know, Things like, okay, here's this project I was working on at work, but here's this really great whiskey I tried that happened on the same day that I would never have like realized. And then that I can just sort of immerse myself in what that time was like. So it's almost like a diary. Kind of. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And you do, do you do like diary entries um, in it as well? No, not. Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, if I, I'll do like little one-off things if I'm really feeling emotional or whatever, but no, I don't sit down and write every day in Evernote. Yeah, it's funny. I I was watching my daughter use her phone, and uh, she's fourteen, mm-hmm. uh, almost fifteen. And uh, so they text it. They text each other. That's like the kids these days, right? right? That's what they do. They text. They do their homework. They don't call each other and say, "What did you get on number two? They text it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they text a lot. And so they've got full conversations in these digital mediums. And it got me thinking. It would be interesting to go back to see what my conversations were with my friends when I was 14. Yeah. You know? Sure. I mean, <laughs> you know that stuff's getting backed up. No, somewhere. it wouldn't be interesting. Well, it, it would, you know, it'd be, it'd be stupid. It'd be stuff about the Red Sox and, you know, Donkey Kong or something. You know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Star Wars probably would be in there at some point. But the, uh, either way, I, I'm, I'm digressing. All right, Brett, tell us more about it. Um, let's see what else to use it for. That's sort of like the, Everything sort of culminates in that one, like one use case for me. So, so really, how you use it is you put everything in it. Yeah, yeah, everything that I kind of feel like. Hmm, okay, so you, I have I have photo albums in my house. Uh, I'm sure you guys probably have a couple too, but uh, they're like the really important things, like the the handful of wedding pictures I've got, or like the pictures of me holding my son when he was born. You know, like the really or like you know grandpa's 80th birthday, like big, you know, momentous events in people's lives. Now, what Evernote lets me do is it lets me create like that kind of thing, but for the stuff that's not even kind of that important or not as important as like 80th birthdays and weddings and things like that. Um, Hi there. So I can take a bunch of pictures of when my family and I are out to dinner and we're just having a really good time. And my son's making this crazy face or my daughter's putting like seven tomatoes in her mouth or whatever. I can take a picture of that and I can keep it and I can remember it and go back to it. Um, even though it's not anything special in terms of like life events. Um, I just totally went off. What was your question? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I kind of get it. I mean, it's so 
in some ways, it's kind of like, you know, everybody talks about the walled garden of Apple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go in and you just kind of immerse yourself in it and you use their devices and you use their software and everything just kind of works. Mm-hmm. You've kind of adopted something like that for Evernote. Yeah. Because when we get into it later, I'm doing a lot of the same <laughs> things you are, but not the same ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like one, I'm not in one bucket for this stuff. How about you, Katie? What's What's your use for Evernote? Well, I, I think I use Evernote in a lot of the same ways that Brett does, but maybe not to the extent that he does. Um, you know, I use Evernote kind of for everything else, everything that I can't quite find another application that it fits into. You know, for example, my photos go in iPhoto. Uh, my um, my scan docs, like like Brett puts in, I, I have those in a series of files and folders, ex- you know, except my receipts I put in paperless for organization. But, you know, there's really no reason they couldn't be in Evernote, I guess. You know, my, my tasks go in OmniFocus. So I've got, you know, I've got a certain set of applications that certain types of information live in. And then when I'm doing major word processing and major projects, then those go in files and folders in the Finder. But there is a, a bit of information that kind of falls into this everything else category. And that's where, where Evernote comes in. For example, you know, Brett, I just built a house recently, and that's a pretty big project spanning over six months. And I used Evernote extensively with that house project. Hmm. Um, you know, in the planning stage, you know, I went around to just about every open house, every parade of homes, you know, every, every builders, um, you know, event or, or things that I could go to. And I just took photos with my iPhone. The iPhone was critical. I did most of this, you know, mobile, um, of everything that I liked. I liked that faucet. I liked this, you know, this bit of stonework. Um, I really don't like that plant. I don't like this type of shrubbery. I like this. You know, I like this kind of column, but not this one. Ooh, I like this color. You know, and I'd go around and I would take photos. And at the end of the day, I would kind of go through them and say, you know, you know, these are the types of things that I like. So I had this whole kind of stack of of things that I liked and things that I wanted to talk to my builder about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we got more into the the planning stage of the house and actually building the house, you know, we had all of the contracts that were related to the house. Um, we had updates to the contracts. We had spec sheets. You know, we had information on everything from the type of lighting that we were putting in to the type of plumbing that was going in um, to the type of, you know, wiring that was being run. You know, this is the agreement that we had with the structured wiring people. This is the agreement that we had with the electricians. You know, this is what the plumbers were doing. This is what the flooring people were doing. Um, lots of pieces of paper that... Thankfully, mostly came to me in electronic format. My builder was pretty good about that. But if they didn't, in the scan snap, they went and, and into Evernote, they went. Mm. Um, and then I had a bunch of just text notes. Uh, you know, you know, all of a sudden when you would wake up at 2 a.m. and think, you know what? I think I need a light switch in the hallway next to the bathroom on the right-hand side of the door. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to remember that in the morning, right. you know, sure. you know, so I had a bunch of text notes um, in Evernote where I would just, you know, have a random list of text notes of things that I needed to add or questions that I needed to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, I had a whole section of like, um, you know, selections, you know, this is the color that I picked. So I need to pick things that go with this. This is the, this is the, the style of fixture that I picked. And this was a pretty massive notebook. And then, you know, there was a whole nother section, you know, dealing with the financing and, and all of that. Sure. Um, and so it, this became this massive notebook. And at the end, it, it saved my bacon so many times because no matter where I was, I had this, mm-hmm. you know, if my loan officer called me and asked me for something, yeah, let me, let me pull this up and I can email you a copy of the contract right here. Um, or if the foreman was at my house, had a question about something, you know, I was out there with my iPad or my iPhone and I always had it. And more often, more, more than once, not very often, but more than once, 
you know, I went out to the house and I found an error. I said, you know, that's, that's not right. That's definitely not right. Oh, no, 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 that's right. Don't you worry. That's, that's definitely right. You know, and I was able to actually pull up the document and pull up the photo in Evernote and say, no, no, <laughs> this is what it is. Um, and, and caught several problems that way that I was able to get corrected because I hadn't never known. So, I mean, that was a huge project wow. that was managed completely in Evernote. I mean, that's one example. But I think that's, I, I had a similar situation. I was in a car accident like early last year and same kind of thing. I won't bore with the details, but like I just took photos of all the, all the cars involved, you know, all the insurance documents I got, all the phone calls I made, like it was all in this one big notebook. And I, it was not, it was cool just because I could look at when things happened also that they happened, I had, I had proof or whatever that they happened, but I was just keeping a timeline of how things t- transpired over the course of a month when I got everything worked out. It was really nice to just look back and go, okay, well, here's the, these 85 items in here represent the whole of my knowledge regarding this topic. And it's like just about, it's everything I needed to resolve the issue. And now I can just change it, like tag it all with one thing, throw it into the general archive and then, you know, forget about it for 10 years if I want to. Yeah. And, and then I use Evernote for, for much, much smaller everyday things. You know, for example, um, very random bits of information that I need to remember. If I'm taking notes at a conference, a lot of times I'll take them in Evernote just because I know it'll sync back to everything mm-hmm. and, and always be there. Um, I don't cook often, so I've got about eight or ten recipes, so I don't need a dedicated recipe app. You know, so I've got recipes in Evernote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, random bits of, of information like, you know, what is the color and name of that makeup that I order, you know, at the clinic counter at Dillard's, you know, because I never remember when I'm there. Mm. You, know, you know, I can never remember that either. Yeah. Well, I know you guys can't, but they they all look alike. I, I'm sure you no, know I, that they I, all look alike. I have alike. a wife. I'm aware of how <laughs> yeah. similar makeup looks to one of them. So I was like, no, no, no. This is the, this is the number. This is the item. Right. And, you know, so I can pull it up right when I'm there. Hmm. So. Okay, so my hang-up is really the idea of um, of turning my data into an app. You know, I, I really like the idea of data portability. We went over this in the uh, in the paperless episode. You know, where we talked about all these apps out there for managing your paper, and ultimately, I felt like I'll set up a set of nested folders. I'll make some Hazel rules. It'll go away, and then I can always put it on any computer in the future. And um, so that's kind of one of my problems. But like, I use. A lot of the for the stuff you're talking about, I I use NVAlt. I mean, mm-hmm. and another thing I do with NVAlt is, you know, I've got to the point whenever I get on the phone with somebody work related, I have a little um, uh, text expander, you know, DTS, which is date timestamp, mm-hmm. and I just type that and it spits out the date time of the conversation. Then I take notes on the conversation while we're talking. And then I hit the DTS stamp again when we get off the phone. So I've got a record of when we started talking, when we stopped talking, what we talked about. Nice. And it just it doesn't work that way in Evernote. I mean, right. it doesn't have the text expander support. And, and you know, syncing an Evernote database is a much bigger endeavor than it is syncing a text database. And that's not Evernote's fault. Evernote has all this rich stuff in it. Right. So, you know, there, there's some parts of it that just don't work for me. And I guess that's why I've never really... We really got my head around it. But, Jim, when we were talking on the phone before the show, you had said uh, some interesting uses. You had talked about using it for GPS and photo, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Um, when I uh, – well, there's the whole uh, – okay, set the stage. Uh, my son and I went to a baseball contest about a month ago. Um, David, the Angels, just down the street here. Uh, we yeah. And I don't – I'm not a sports guy. I don't really go to sporting events very often. Um 
Well, I, I knew that when you called it a baseball contest. Right. That was sort of a joke. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and I'd forgotten how expansive and large the parking lot is at Angel Stadium. And we parked our car, went inside, watched the baseball game, and it was fun. And I, as I was walking in, I thought, you know, I don't really know where my car is exactly. So what I usually do, and I for, for some reason forgot to this this time, is right when I get out of the car, when I'm in like the Disneyland parking lot, you know, big one, I'll just open up Evernote and just create a new note called car. And have it on my iPhone, have it note the GPS location where I am. And from then, when I'm walking out of the, you know, the mall or wherever I am, I can fire up an Evernote and go, okay, there's the car, plot it on the Google map, and then figure out relatively where I am relative to the car. Um, but that's not what you asked about. You asked about photos. Uh, so again, back to my kids. I talk about them a lot. Uh, they're in various activities. My daughter's in like ballet, and my son's going to play baseball again soon. And they do a lot of kids stuff and it's all stuff that I enjoy watching and enjoy being a part of. Um, and for a long time we used to just take our, whatever goofy little point shoot camera we have. But, um, now I just take my iPhone and I just shoot the photos directly in Evernote. Um, because I still get to keep the photos. They don't go into the massive, cause my iPhone is a mess. Like I, I, I've almost abandoned iPhoto because of how totally huge and unwieldy my iPhoto collection is. So Evernote's kind of an easy way for me to put things in that already has some built-in structure to it um, because everything's dated, everything's stamped with a location, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's sort of it. It's like, it's just the, the mid-level memor- mem- mem- uh, memories stuff that I want to remember. Uh, I just shoot it all with Evernote and that way I have the date, the time, and, and then it gets dropped into that larger historical context that I mentioned before. All right. Um, I, I have some other issues with Evernote. I want to talk about some of the problems and, let's do it. Uh, and see, and see you do that. But before we do that, let's hit the second sponsor. Yeah. One- our sec, our second sponsor is one password and one password I think is required nowadays because we do live in such a security conscious uh, world or we need to live in a more security conscious world. One uh, password is the app that allows me to use safe, secure, random passwords across all of my sites and to make sure that that data is always securely stored and with me wherever I am so that I'm never in a situation where I have no idea. You know, Brett, I have no idea what my Evernote password is to the Evernote site, um, but one password does because I use a super strong password because I don't want a hacker getting access to my Evernote account. Uh, and one password has got it, whether it's in the app, whether it's in my iPhone or whether it's in my iPad. So, uh, one password recently made a transition to the Mac app store. And I got to tell you, David, that has been a great transition for me. It was seamless. Um, I removed the prior version of the one password app as they recommended before I installed the Mac app store version. Uh, and it immediately found that my one password keychain was stored in my Dropbox. I installed my browser extensions and boom, I was up and running. I've now got a family license because it comes through the Mac app store. It's a lot uh, faster because they now have 64 bit support and it got even more secure because it, they now have a uh, sandboxing ability. And I've got this cool new menu bar so I can access my one password logins uh, just about everywhere. And if you had any problems with the transition, you know, their one password support team is always right there. Yeah, it's great app. You know, it's $40 on the Mac. They've got a hybrid version on iOS where you can get it on both your iPad and your iPhone for $15. Or you can get it on either one for just ten. Let's say, just hypothetically, you got a new iPhone last night. And, hypothetically, yeah, speaking. and hypothetically, you decided just to start from scratch rather than restore. And mm-hmm. uh, 
you just load up the one password app and you get all your passwords in your phone in a you know a couple minutes and then it's just a question of copying them over as you reset things that you decide to bring back i love one password just for the record i yeah. use the crap out of it yeah it's a great <laughs> yeah, app it's fantastic <laughs> i mean you know i was saying earlier i don't i don't um i don't preach about switching to the mac i actually do preach about switching to one password because i think it makes a big difference for people yeah. So you can go get that Mac App Store version for forty nine ninety nine, and that will come with a free upgrade to version four when it is available. Um, or, as David said, you can get the uh, original Mac license off of their site for thirty nine ninety nine for a single user license, sixty nine ninety five for a family license, um, or the iOS licenses. And you can find more information at onepassword.com. Okay, Brett. So one of the reasons why I was not a successful Evernote convert, well, actually, there's a couple. But the first is the way it handles text. And right. I, I kind of get it. Um, you know, Evernote is a rich text platform. It's not a plain text platform. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, uh, you know, I generally roll plain text, you know, and that's not really Evernote's fault. But it does create kind of a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I would put text that I wanted to use later, I would find that it had all kinds of weird markup and stuff when I pulled it out of Evernote. And to be fair, I haven't tested that in the last, I don't know, six months. Has that got better? Um well, I'm not sure actually. Um, but yeah, just to address your concern to maybe explain a little bit more why, um, everyone isn't super plain text friendly. If, if I would, would you like me to do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is a lot of people that I know who aren't, aren't big Evernote users or maybe even kind of disparage Evernote because of its lack of plain text support. Not that you're doing that, but there are guys who do, uh, it's primarily because they have to be able to take whatever notes you create on any platform you create them and then move them over to another platform, in some cases a totally different platform, and then render them in approximately the same way. So in other words, if I go, if I clip a web page on my Mac and sync up to the cloud and then go on my Android tablet and download that note and open it, it should look roughly the same. So it has to create this, this baseline of... I'm conscious of using the phrase lowest common denominator because of what John Syracuse said last week on his podcast. And that's why I'm trying to avoid that <laughs> phrase because he says it's used incorrectly and I couldn't figure out why. Anyway, um, it's, well, it has to, it has to work. It everywhere. has to work everywhere. So it can't assume a lot of functionality on all the platforms that it's going to run on. So that's why all the stuff under the covers is HTML. So when you type, you know, hello world into a, a note and Evernote, it's actually rendering it as HTML behind the scenes. So that's how it gets synced and that's how it gets displayed on all the other devices because every computer, every handheld, every tablet can display and, and edit um, HTML. It has to work on Windows XP. Right. It, that says it Yeah. All. No, so and then <laughs> that's why rich text editing was such a big deal for iOS is they were able to finally get to the point where they could um, author rich text in such a way that it could, A, be doable using iPhone interface tools, but also so it could move around and be as be part of this larger, you know, platform agnostic ecosystem of apps and platforms that it has to use, that has to interact with. And since there was no rich text on iOS before iOS five, I suspect you guys baked your own rich text. Yes. Which is why it's not real easy to just yank that out and have it as plain text. That's right. And I mean and you could well I mean if you if you have some enterprising young developer could probably sit down and write something that would take an Evernote note and strip out all of the extraneous business that's inside of a note that's, but then again, like how do you know if a note is just text or not? 
You know, like if you, if I copy a paragraph out of, you know, some CNN.com article, like that's going to bring over a lot of embedded markup with it in all likelihood. And, you know, versus me just typing hello world, like obviously it's not going to be as much, but it's still going to be there. So how do you, it, it has to, it tries not to get too smart with your, your information and just says, okay, this is what you gave me. So I'm just going to leave it like this. If you want to modify it, there's ways to do that. And it's not super simple. Like if you, if you want to get rid of all the markup, you can figure out how to do it. But otherwise we're just going to not assume that you want everything to be plain text when you're dumping in, you know, HTML or whatever. Okay. And what, what's the experience now with exporting other types of data like PDFs and images? Um, all that stuff get, exports out just the same way it went in. Those are all stored as uh, binary data in, okay, so you, in your notes. So you can drag a PDF off Evernote onto your desktop and it's uh, You have to right-click save as, but yes. Yeah. Yes. Because it's actually stored inside the note, like the PDF itself. But if you want to save a yeah. copy onto some other part of your computer, yeah, you just right-click and uh, save as and choose the folder. That works on Windows and Mac. And that's an improvement because when you guys got started, it wasn't that easy. I honestly don't remember if it was that easy or not. I I do. Okay. You're like, (laughs) I do. (laughs) Um, Well, once again, I really, I want to be clear. I'm not against Evernote. It's just for some reason, it's just never clicked. No. And like, I think it's so funny because I'm around people who say that a lot. And I feel like they're trying to apologize for not liking the thing that I really like. Like it's like they're calling my wife ugly or something. And I'm like, I really don't, I mean, I don't, it doesn't bother me that you don't use Evernote. That doesn't provide utility for you. That's really okay. Like for a lot people like me, I love it and I use it like crazy, but I don't, it's not for everybody. I do. I, and I don't think I try not to give the impression that I think it is for everybody. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so, but they've improved on the export of images and with plain text, uh, I just feel like you know there's other tools that work better for plain text. But as I'm listening to you guys talk, I, I am thinking about how I deal with some of these problems. For instance, the parking lot situation. I have an app for that 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 you know just on my phone that mm-hmm. I click a button and it leads me to it later. And for the hotel room, it's Wh- which just, app do you use? I I don't, I don't know. It's one of you know it's like find my car or something. I forget okay. what it's called. But it's it literally is you push one button and then you come back later. Although when you're in a parking structure, it doesn't work out so good. You know, if you don't have a GPS signal, sometimes it's not so good. But uh, usually I can find my way to my car. Everybody see that Seinfeld episode, right? Oh, yeah. Where he's carrying the TV. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, uh, like hotel room, I'll take a picture with my phone and I will – it just is in my phone, my photo album on my phone. And when I'm done with the trip, I just delete the picture. Mm -hmm. But all this stuff is kind of kludgy in the sense that I have different places that I go for all this information. And the uh, same thing, like my bills and invoices, they just get saved to a local directory on my computer, and I use a really neat um, script with Hazel to, to file them for me. But it does require me to name the file, whereas you're just scanning it in and you're letting Evernote take care of the, the um, OCR for you, which allows you to find it, which is probably good enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I, if I look at the amount of time I spend naming files versus the amount of time I spend going back to look up an old gas bill, it's definitely a time sink. Yeah. And I, most of what I, well, a lot of what I add to Evernote, I don't even necessarily plan on ever trying to find again. It's just in case I need it. And yeah, like, like you say, old gas bills, I don't, you know, the, my kid's dentist record, I don't imagine ever having to like produce that for any reason, but I do want to be able to pull it up if I, 
if the situation ever arises or if I'm just curious and being able to just search for it instead of having to like look through the file and folder thing that you're doing. I, it may be a lot faster for you to do it that way, but you're basically just spending more time, I think on the front end doing the organization and the curation than like than I am. Cause I'm just like blindly lobbing things into Evernote from 10 feet away and hoping that I can search for them later. Whereas you're but, guaranteeing that you can find them later by spending that time at the, at the, at the front, you know? Yeah. But when you think about how often I actually need to use that, right. It's probably, you're probably smarter the way you're doing it. Brett, have you ever found some or lost anything? Well, lost. There ever been something that you couldn't find? Uh, well, let's ask it that way. Because, you know, David says he spends a huge amount of, well, huge amount is relative. He spends a, a awful lot of time, you know, naming things to make sure that he can find them. And so, you know, and, and you, I just throw it in Evernote. And if I need it, I find it later. Has that ever been a problem? Um, hmm. The, I suppose the only problem is that I, Maybe I think things are in Evernote when they aren't in Evernote. Um, there have been times when I've just haven't added things that I probably should have, but um, I have found a lot of things that I thought I'd lost. If that is any similarity at all, but um, yeah, no, I, I well certainly I've lost things that I've I've been, I've been unable to find things that I thought I had, or I just didn't put it in Evernote for whatever reason. Um, but Evernote is sort of like my. Like when I want to search for information that other people know, I search Google and I want to search for my own stuff. I like reflexively jump over to Evernote and just start searching um, because chances are if I've dealt with it or if I've learned it or if I've done anything with it in the last couple of years, it's probably in Evernote. So that's, and yes, yeah, sometimes my searches come up empty, but what do you do? I just have to go back and look at whether or not an everything bucket fits in my life or not. It's that's what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, like I said, they're they're definitely not for everybody. I mean, if you prefer to just have your stuff in such a way that the uh, everything bucket isn't like isn't really a compelling part of that, then cool, you know. Yeah, and I know I'm not putting you on the spot. The but the uh, like for instance, a trip that makes a lot of sense. You know, you have everything. In fact, that's what I wrote about in the book. Is a great use of Evernote is you'd have your your documents, your your PDFs, your text files, everything in one folder or one tag. And then as you're going through your trip, everything's just there for you. The way I deal with that these days is I have a folder in Dropbox that has all the related documents in it. And then I just star them. If you star them on your phone or your iPad, then it downloads and keeps a local copy. Mm-hmm. And then when I go up to the hotel, I can just open that sheet. Or or frankly, I always, I always have a um, an NVALT a note on every trip and like the key information, like the stuff you really need is your reservation number for the car, your reservation number for the hotel. I mean, this is a couple, there's really only a few pieces of data you need where you're standing somewhere. And usually I just have it in text and read it off to the person, yeah. but it works, you know? And, and I, I do think Evernote is a really great, it's a really great option for people. And I did want to give it some time on the show because I think I haven't been fair to it in the <laughs> past or, or people perceive that I haven't at least. And um, and I really appreciate you coming in, kind of talking through it for us. Oh, my pleasure. So so we did cover the pricing already. So you get a free account uh, if you want to get a subscription. It's fifty bucks a year. It's forty five dollars a year or five bucks a month. Okay, gotcha. And um, and they, you know the company has excellent support. They've got guys like Brett who are really passionate about it and making it an awesome product. They also are expanding. You know, you guys are adding some outside utility lately, right? Yeah, we just acquired uh, Skitch which is probably one of my favorite Mac apps of all time. Yeah, I, I paid for it. You know, it was a 10 bucks or something in the Mac app store. Now you guys are giving it away. Yeah, hey. 
Dave, Too late. sorry. Yeah. Um, but I've been using Sketch for probably, I think my account was created in 2007, before I even heard of Evernote. Um, and it's just, it's a very simple like image annotation utility, which has a lot of, because of how Evernote can recognize words and images and, um, I don't know. It's a really cool way to just snap a photo of, you know, the whiteboard highlight or circle a couple of things, point some arrows, drag it into Evernote and just have it forever. Um, but yeah, Sketch is fantastic. Yeah. And so you can download that for free now, yep. thanks to your uh, Evernote. And uh, and you can work straight into Evernote from that. You guys also have a lot of relationships with third-party developers that build into your system, right? Yes, we do. If you go to um, the uh, Evernote trunk, which is evernote.com slash about slash trunk, um, it's basically just a big directory of all of the third-party uh, hardware and software developers and uh, content creators that have partnered with Evernote to make stuff, either software or services that work with Evernote, um, hardware that integrates with Evernote directly, or content specifically geared toward um, use or viewing in Evernote. But yeah, our developer community is vibrant and growing, which is really cool. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. You got Reader, which is my with two E's, my favorite oh, iPad reader. Uh, reader app. Yeah, now you can send articles direct, directly to Evernote. Yep. It also integrates with Instapaper. I think you guys are both users of Instapaper, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, love Instapaper. Yeah, you can have your liked articles sent to Instapaper, which I do. Or sorry, your liked Instapaper articles sent to Evernote. And and then there's Sketch. Well, yeah, yeah Sketch is bad. I'm pleased to see how much Evernote's growing and that they're, you know, using their success to make an even better product. Yeah, they're Yeah, I sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying I think I think you might have convinced me to try some new things for Evernote. I, am, I don't think I'm going to be throwing my taxes up there anytime soon. Right. But I, I think you might have convinced me to, yeah, maybe throw my water bill up there. Well, if you ever need help, I mean, I'm offering my services to both of you free of charge. Well, but how can you offer your services to everybody else? You want to pimp your book a little oh, bit? Oh, good Lord. Uh, yeah, okay. So I wrote this book that a lot of people like. Uh, it's called Evernote Essentials. Uh, basically, for people who are just getting started with Evernote and are looking at it going, Okay, a lot of people I know really like this, and it looks really cool, but I don't know how to use it or what I'm going to use it for. That's the question this book is designed to answer. So it's a PDF you can download at evernoteessentials.com. Uh, it costs American dollars, but that's okay. It's good. Like thousands of people have bought it. It's really, really popular. So, uh, And that, it got me the job at Evernote. So for whatever that's worth. That's worth well, a lot. Yeah. I can say, you know, when I first used Evernote, the, the things that kind of chased me away, I thought it had a lousy Mac user interface and the app I've been using it leading up to the show and the app is, is lots better. I mean, you guys have made a ton of improvement and it feels like a Mac app now Yeah. where before it felt like a PC app. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, um, the, the iPhone app, you guys, I gave up on Evernote right about the time the iPhone app came out and it was just a slug. I'm be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, it was slow. Yeah, and, the first the first couple iterations yeah. of the iPhone app were were really a, a, a slog. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but it's much better now. It's faster. And you like capturing. You know, the point about capture is you can pull out your iPhone and take a picture of something with the app itself, and it uploads directly. You don't have to do that tango of taking it with your camera and then that's right uploading it. So it's very quick. And uh, you've come a long way exporting. Uh, documents like PDFs I thought was a problem. Now that's better. Uh, so, you know, I'm getting closer to trying to figure out maybe there is a place for this. And uh, I'm going to sit down and take a look at it too. And I'm sure in one of our future breakfasts, Brett, I'll have some questions for you. Boy, I can't wait. 
<laughs> no, I, I, I think always, it's your I turn to pay, pay, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, wait. Yeah. No, it's Uh-oh. my turn. Oh, is it? It's my turn. Yeah. Oh no, that's right. You, you joked about getting lobster when I said I would yeah, pay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so we're getting lobster this time. All right. All right. Lobster for breakfast. That sounds wonderful. It'll be fantastic. I'm glad I missed that one. All right. Well, Brett, thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, we've got some feedback that we'll cover. Um, so you're you're welcome to hang out for that if you'd like. Sure. All right. But before we do that, let's hit our uh, third sponsor, the Omni Group. Yeah. The Omni Group has a brand new uh, app updated or not brand new, but an updated app. And that is OmniPlan. And OmniPlan is the simplest way to manage complex projects. Uh, you can visualize these projects on, on Omni's wonderful graphical user interface and on timeline. You can see what's going on with these projects. You can review your tasks, make sure that your resources are, are optimized. Do you have someone who's overloaded with way too much work? Do you have someone who maybe, you know, could use some more so you can allocate, um, you know, tasks from one team member to another? You can take a look at your costs and monitor, uh, you know, make sure that the project's staying on track and staying on budget. And you can make sure that all the members of your team can, are collaborating with each other's and track changes. And if there's a bottleneck that's cropping up, OmniPlan will help you identify that bottleneck and make sure that your project flows smoothly. Um, now, it's not cheap at $199 in the Mac App Store, but it is far and away one of the best project planning applications, period, across any platform and the best on the Mac. And you would pay thousands of dollars for comparable application on the PC. Yeah. I think the thing about OmniPlan is, you know, first of all, uh, project planning apps are legendary for complexity. They're always so hard to run. And OmniPlan takes the, you know, the brilliant user interface guys over at Omni and they apply it to this tough, difficult problem of making a simple um, Gantt chart uh, organizational planner. And they succeeded. I had a good story about OmniPlan just recently we were uh, preparing. I had a client in the office. We have a big case, and we've got a trial date in the middle of next year. And I have a full plan for the case, showing you know when we're going to be doing certain pieces of the case and what type of you know depositions and everything is laid out with this gorgeous Gantt chart. One of the advantages of the new 2.0 version is you can build back from a date. So as opposed to saying we're going to start today, when does it end? We can say this project ends on a certain date. In my case, a trial date, and, and we're going to build back from that and see what's going to happen. And uh, it looked great. I looked like a hero to the client and to some of the other attorneys in the room. And it really wasn't that difficult. So if you have a place in your life for project planning, I would recommend taking a good look at OmniPlan. It's in the Mac App Store. You can also download a free trial at the Omni Group website. And it's, like I said, 200 bucks, which is actually a pretty good price for this type of software. So check it out and uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, I bet you paid for it with that one use. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and thank you to Omni for their continued support of the Mac Power users. Okay, Katie. So we got a lot of feedback. You want to start? Uh, we do have a lot of feedback. Uh, the first uh, feedback we got from Sandy, and that was about sending from Gmail. Uh, and she said she was going back and listening to episode 56 about mail. And um, she has a Gmail account, obviously, because she sent us this email from Gmail. And she mentioned that I have all of my messages forward to Gmail, and then I can use Gmail uh, to respond as though I'm responding from the original account 
Uh, and how do you do that? And probably the easiest way to show somebody is I sent Sandy a screenshot of my Google setup. But uh, in lieu of doing that, it's all in the Google settings. So if you, you open up your Gmail account, once you're inside mail, there's a little sprocket up in the upper right-hand corner where you can pull into settings. Um, and it's all in the account settings. And you can, um, you know, say, I want to send from these accounts. You you set up the accounts. Gmail will send a confirmation email to make sure that, yes, in fact, you do own that account. Uh, and once you do, you'll be able to send and receive from those accounts if you'd like within Gmail. Um, we heard from Matt on the uh, on a comment who talked about, you know, I made a comment that someone wrote in saying Entourage supports Mappy and Outlook doesn't. Uh, Matt corrected us and said, no, Entourage doesn't support Mappy. I've got no clue. I don't have Entourage installed and I don't intend to. But uh, he did have a source for his, his uh, comment, so I suspect he's right. Right. Um, we also heard from David about privacy, who kind of called me to task because I was talking about how I don't really like Google Mail because they read you know, the mail to, to generate these ads. And he says, look, you know, you've got email on the Internet. Every server reads your email. Um, I'm not sure really about that in respect to the way Google does it. I mean, Google is reading it to create ads, and that's the part that creeped me up. But he does make a point. Well, and I guess I guess what we should say is that every server that stores your email has the ability um, either for troubleshooting support with your permission or for nefarious purposes, usually, uh, to access your email, um, just like Google does. And, and Google has this robotic spider that goes out and searches your email um, for the purposes of serving you ads. And if he's right, if your email is out there on the Internet you know, your service provider can get access to it. So I don't, you know, I don't, to be fair, I don't know that Google is reading your email truly in the sense of, you know, actually, I think it's more crawling your email, um, you know, but I, and I think another ISP would have the ability probably to do that as well if they implemented something like that. Um, I don't know. Uh, we got an uh, email about the Omnibar. You know, in fact, since the Google show, I have switched to Chrome as my full-time browser. I've not looked back at all because I've just been tired of a lot of the constant problems with Safari. But previously, Safari was my main browser. Um, and a listener, uh, Antoinette, wrote in and said, I just finished listening to your podcast on the Google lifestyle. And there is a, uh, a plug-in for Safari that will create an Omnibar. It's called Safari Omnibar. Um, by Oliver Poultry, and it works very nicely, and we will have a link in the show notes for that. Yes, and uh, I think we have a, a future show on browsers. Yeah. I think we need to. Uh, I heard from uh, David, another David wrote back, about uh, the comment about DocX format. He said, you know, Pages isn't much different. It's a zip format that contains the assets of the file. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I don't think it, I still don't think it really matters. The the idea of uh, that show was to talk about using text and getting away from any type of, of basic format where we're we're married to a single app. Yeah. Um, and lastly, we got an email in from Susan who wanted to know if you could alphabetize your Gmail. Um, well, you can, kind of. Uh, certainly if you're using your email, it depends on how you want to sort it. If you're using your email through a, a mail client, uh, you can sort by subject and, and you can sort in ascending or descending order. Um, and that will sort it in alphabetical order. But I did find an article on the Google help support forum, um, that, um, basically said the same thing. You know, the best thing to do, uh, is to, to either make use of the search box if you're looking for searching for email, um, or to use an email client. So I didn't find an actual way to inside the Google interface to search email alphabetically or to alphabetize email. Did you, David? No. Yeah. 
we did hear back from uh, several people talking about the uh, iPad at work. And thank you, everybody, for supporting it. It's number one in the, uh, the iBookstore. And it's been so for like two weeks. So in the computer category, I'm not ahead of the uh, Steve Jobs biography. <laughs> but the, Well, uh, work on that, will you? E- either way, thank you, everyone, for supporting the book. But a lot of people wrote in and said, hey, I liked your idea of the mind map and developing the outline, but I don't want to use an iPad or I don't have an iPad. How do you do that with just a Mac? And I was remiss for not talking about this. There are several very good mind mapping apps on the Mac. And my favorite is MindNode Pro. It's not very expensive. I think it was $15 last time I checked in the Mac App Store, which is kind of an anomaly because a lot of these mind mapping apps are hundreds of dollars. And it saves to OPML, which was key, as I talked about in the workflow. And it's simple. You know, you can just start using it. So I think that's a good one if you want to get started with this stuff where you're not going to spend a lot of money and it, you may find it's all you need. I love that app, by the way. Oh, do you use that as well? Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's another one of these apps. It's a small developer, really dedicated to making a great product. Totally. And and, and he does have an app on the uh, the iPad as well, although I prefer iThoughts HD. I, I use his app on the Mac. And um, and we've also had several several people write in saying, "Hey, what happened to the theme music? I know it's kind of uh, weird because we had the old music, then we got the new one. Well, we're back to the old one. I've just had a lot of people giving me feedback that they weren't happy with the uh, the new music." And uh, I get that. And so we're kind of going back to the drawing board on it. We are going to have our own music that we're developing ourselves. Um, I just was in the midst of finishing a book at the time. And uh, we just didn't have time to really give it the the energy deserved. And we're doing that now. So stay tuned and we will have some new theme music soon. Um, and we do have a programming note, actually, to bring up. Uh, normally, we do two shows a month. So uh, sadly, this would have been our, our last show for the month of October. However, due to popular demand... Uh, we have decided to increase our production schedule to three shows a month. Uh, so the way that this is going to work is you're going to get your regular two, uh, you know, kind of single topic shows, such as this one on Evernote and the last show on iPad at work on the second and the fourth Monday of the month, usually all the tech gods providing. Um, and then we are going to have a bonus episode that is going to be a workflows episode that is going to release sometime during the month, depending on the availability of our workflows guests and when we're able to get that recorded. Um, so look out for that bonus workflows episode. Uh, this month, it is going to be with Michael Lopp of Rands and Repose. Nice. All right, Katie. So how do you get a hold of us? Uh, well, you can reach us on our website. That is www.macpowerusers.com or on the 5x5 site at 5x5.tv slash MPU. You can also send us feedback to feedback at macpowerusers.com. Yeah, and we're on Twitter at macpowerusers or I'm at Katie Floyd and he's at Mac Sparky. Brad, are you on Twitter? Yes. And I'm going to, uh, oh man, my name's dumb. It's I-N-K-E-D-M-N. I have a lot of tattoos. That's why it says that inked man without the A. And I'm sorry. All right. Such a threat. Yeah. So embarrassing. <laughs> I hate saying it so much. I think you, you can, can change, change that. You know. I know. Well, I can't. Anything. If I want to do it now, it's going to have to involve like numbers because all of the good names are taken because there's a billion people using it or whatever. So yeah, mm. I'm trying to be okay with it. I know. I uh, got. I got mine way back in like. 2007 before Twitter was even like a thing. Yeah. And I, I, I got Max Sparky at the time. I kicked myself for not getting David Sparks. Cause I'm on now that would not be possible. Right. I should yeah. have been, or just Sparky. I mean, I think I could have got pretty much anything I wanted because it was brand new when I signed up. 
All right. Uh, so, hey, everybody, thank you for the comments. In iTunes. On iTunes, yes. Uh, we're, we're building back up. I don't think we're quite where we are when we left off, but thank you so much. It makes my day to go over to iTunes and see our comments. So if you like the show, that is one way you can support us. Um, and lastly, thanks to our sponsors, Smile, One Password, uh, the Omni Group, and thank you to all the individuals uh, who have donated through our website to Mac Power Users. You've made the show possible, uh, and we appreciate you every day. And thanks to Brett Kelly for coming by and giving us time and talking about Evernote. My pleasure. Uh, go check out his. You know, go check out Brett's book if you're interested in learning more about Evernote. And tell us one more time where we can find you, Brett. Uh, you can well, you can read my blog at nerdgap.com, and you can buy the book at evernoteessentials.com. All right, and we'll see everybody with the next show. It'll be Workflows with Michael Long. All right, see you then. 